You're listening to the Back Porch Talk Podcast. Danny and Jason had many discussions and debates on the back porch while making pivotal investment moves with assets. That's right, with trading cards. They welcome you to the back porch and right into those discussions about current sports news with a fresh and unique twist. So come on and join us. Welcome to the Back Porch Talk Podcast. I'm your co-host, Jason. This is your co-host, Danny. And we have a fun-filled show for you today. We'll go ahead and recap the NBA playoffs. And then we'll talk a little bit about the NFL, going to Coach Prime, and then we have a surprise trading scenario for you. So with that, the NBA playoffs recap. So this is the recap of the Milwaukee Bucks. So the Bucks ended up losing in the conference semifinals against the Miami Heat uh, in five games. And uh, let me just tip my head off to uh, the Miami Heat. Uh, a whole lot went through my mind in, in terms of immediately after the season and something have come up uh, in terms of my thoughts about the Bucks. Bucks have to make changes, man. There's nothing else to it. Uh, Marvin Williams retired. Congratulations, Marvin, for uh, a great career. Uh, and I have to give him props for finding a role on this team and playing pretty okay uh, the last few games. Marvin, I believe, actually played for Coach Bud while in Atlanta, so there probably was some uh, discussions uh, with Coach Bud about, hey, this is my last dance. Let me just try to go out a winner. Uh, so I think that happened there. I've had to come to terms with the Bucks not playing DJ Wilson. Fans, you know me. Over the past few months, I've been clamoring and been really advocating to get DJ Wilson out there on the court. Because um, I thought that we were going to face the Raptors in the conference finals. And in my opinion, DJ Wilson would have been a great, great ad or a great asset to guard against uh, Siakam. Uh, that just didn't happen. So I've come to terms with uh, DJ Wilson just not getting any PT. But I will say this, Danny. I am concerned with the Bucks and their development of players, uh, primarily their young players. We talked about this before in terms of how Christian Wood left the Bucks, went ahead, went down to New Orleans, played outstanding in New Orleans. Next thing you know, he's up in Detroit playing extremely well in Detroit. And so I'm just, you know, a little bit concerned with our player development. I've come to terms with it. I've come to terms with the Bucks season. And for you fans that have been listening to us over the past year, you definitely have heard me say the Bucks need to go into the luxury tax. And what happens after the end of the season, Giannis meets with ownership, or excuse me, with governors of the Milwaukee Bucks. And what did they say? We'll go into the luxury tax <laughs> to make the team better. Man, y'all are a year late. That has been a whole year wasted, in my opinion, because that was when you had the opportunity to go ahead and pay Malcolm Brogdon, whatever, to keep Brogdon in Milwaukee. Mm -hmm. Then you can went into a luxury tax. And then, you know what, this year – this could have been the year that we actually won the championship. 
Yeah, there were some that's concerns cool. with the injuries there, Brogdon, but you know what? Could have went ahead and paid the luxury tax, and then that would have, you know, opened the doors up for a, a championship run. What do you say, Dan? I say, I agree with you, Jason. Now that they're doing it because Giannis is looking at free agency and the possibilities of him not signing the Supermax deal, he's kind of ha- he has him over a barrel right now. He has all the leverage. Mm-hmm. But if you look at the Miami series, the series that got them eliminated, mm-hmm. a person like Brogdon would have been perfect. And you saw it in the Indiana series. Brogdon played his butt off. They didn't have an answer for him. So knowing that he wasn't a piece where in a year they definitely could have won the championship, the way this is all playing out in the bubble and everything, and they matched up well, they match up well with the Lakers. So to see them now saying that based on the current circumstances, it doesn't surprise me. But to your point, it's a year too late because I think the window of opportunity is closing mm-hmm. as the days go on, as these teams, we'll see as these teams uh, transform, get new coaches, new talent. We'll see more once free agency goes through its runs its course in the draft and see how these teams look. But mm-hmm. This was their most opportune time, man. And you have Brogdon, who Miami Heat didn't have an answer for. And he's nope. the type of player that the Bucks needed to get those slashing buckets. Get into the exactly. bucket, slashing, hit, hit the jumper, hit his free throws, play great defense. Mm-hmm. So, totally mm-hmm. agree. Brogdon is something that should have been addressed this year. And, and, and I'll and say I'm this, that, that to add to that, we have, I mean, I mean, if we were to sign Brogdon, yes, we've been in a luxury tax, and yes, there may have been concern about injury, but we really touted and bragged about how we only played Giannis and Middleton like 30 minutes a game. We mm-hmm. bragged about that. We could have done some form of management. Now, I don't want to say low management, but we could have done something for Brogdon there. So... I just think that, yes, it's a year too late. It's the opportunity lost. I will say this and to add to that. So just as we've stated before, and I stated before, that, you know, I'm very adamant about going into the luxury tax here. I think a small market team like the Milwaukee Bucks, when you have a premier athlete, a premier basketball player like Giannis, two-time MVP, defensive player of the year, Happened in the same season. Only happened two other times with Hakeem Olajuwon and Michael Jordan. But when you have an athlete like Giannis, you have got to put everything in the middle of the table, especially with a small market team. And there are four teams in the luxury tax. You have your Minnesota Timberwolves, which I believe got into the luxury tax once they made the D'Angelo Russell trade. You have the Oklahoma City Thunder. You have the Portland Trailblazers, and oh, by the way, you have the Miami Heat in the luxury tax. And we just so happen to lose to the Miami Heat. We've got to go into the luxury tax. And oh, by the way, Miami is considered a small market team. Same thing with the Oklahoma City Thunder. They get it. You've got to go into the luxury tax, especially as a small market team, in order to go ahead and be competitive and in order to really attract that talent to your market because you're not going to have that talent very long because you're a small market. So take advantage of it while you can. And oh, by the way, 
if you go ahead and make the right move and you make and you get these athletes, okay, mm-hmm. you will actually go deep into the playoffs and make a lot of money and you will make that money back. So as the Golden State Warriors, all the runs that they've made uh, in terms of the deep playoff runs and getting that money back. So I just, I'll just say uh, one year too late, but I think there's an opportune time here for the Milwaukee Bucks. And, and lastly, my last point on this, there, there are rumors out there about Victor Oladipo wanting to leave the Indiana Pacers. And some say that may be a good fit for the Milwaukee Bucks. I'm going to say this. I don't think this is the right fit. Vic is a great locker room player. Uh, he, he's pretty awesome. Don't get me wrong there. Uh, but I will say this. We need, I think, a player like a Jeremy Grant from the Denver Nuggets. Slasher, defender, can shoot, hungry, player option this year. Throw him a little bit more money so that way he can decline that player option. Tag along with us, and let's go ahead and go to the championship. Jason, just a couple things to add on. I think the Bucks need a leader on this team. I think that's part of the reason they keep falling into these funks, so to speak. Giannis is the leader, but you need a floor general. Talked about CP3 in the past and how his contract is crazy. So that's, that's part of the issue. I think this year in particular, he would have been the perfect, besides someone like Brogdon, a CP3 to, to talk to him. Because as soon as they came back from the, uh, when they went into the bubble, they weren't the same team. So they needed someone to kind of guide him and talk to him. And I think the other thing, too, of note is Giannis has to take some accountability as well as the leader to improve his game. We've talked about this, too, about getting some type of shot mm-hmm. to work on mm-hmm. and work on his free throws because he's missing a lot of opportunities to increase his scoring average and then just make him a threat mm-hmm. so they're not following him, defaulting to following him all the time. So mm-hmm. I think – as we get closer to free agency and the draft, we'll talk more about it down the line. They definitely have to consider someone, a veteran leader to help this team. That's someone that actually has a role on the team too. It's not like some, not like the Paul Gasol role he had a couple of years ago. He's someone who's actually contributing mm-hmm. to help them. So great. Great there. In terms of the NBA playoffs, what do you say about who are in the finals, uh, leading up to the finals. What are your thoughts? First off, kudos to the Boston Celtics. They had a good run. They just had, ran into some bad luck with the Miami Heat. They led most of the games they lost in, mm-hmm. at some point in the second half. So uh, they, they had a good run. I'm not sure what they're going to do as far as next moves with them because I think they're kind of in a similar boat as the Bucks where they need something else to get them over the top. Good on them. And then the Nuggets, too, man, just want to say kudos to them, too, man. They gave it their all. They they had a couple opportunities, too, with the Lakers that they blew. So mm-hmm. they have a lot of talent. I know they have a few pieces that may be leaving the team. So it'll be interesting to see how they pivot going forward. But they're going to be around, man, because they – they have a lot of heart on that team. They played strong and gave the Lakers all they could handle. 
so as far as the finals are concerned, Los Angeles Lakers, Miami Heat. This is going to be a very interesting series <laughs> because I, it could go either it's going to go all the way seven mm-hmm. or it's going to be a sweep. Oh, man. You go, man. I, I, it's gonna... hard for me right now. I, I need another day because I know they start on Wednesday to think about it. But my initial thoughts are I think the Lakers will prevail. And I think it'll go. I think it'll go the distance. I think Miami's not going to give up mm-hmm. and push them because that's the other thing you got to consider too. Denver missed a lot of open three pointers. Mm-hmm. Miami's going to knock those down. And we said this about when the Bucks played Miami. They leave Miami open. Mm-hmm. They're going to knock them down. They have knockdown mm-hmm. shooters. Denver, they're inconsistent shooters. The people they left open, they left them open for a reason. Miami's not going to let that happen to them so mm-hmm. that's why i think it's going to go the distance i do think the lakers prevail at this moment in time i just got to do a little more analysis just to see okay okay, okay. make sure but that's what i'm feeling right now i think it's gonna be i think it's gonna be a good series i it's actually gonna be a great matchup i mm-hmm. thought either boston or miami would be a great matchup with la but i'm very intrigued with you know with jimmy butler hero all the people from uh wisconsin or mm-hmm or at least attended school in Wisconsin playing in this matchup. So the mm-hmm. length might get them in the end too. That's the other thing I'm thinking about with the Lakers. They have a lot of bigs. Mm-hmm. So rebounding is going to be key for both teams in this series. So mm-hmm. how about you, Jay? Look here, man. I, I will say this. The NBA got this right. They're the league who really put this bubble format on the map. So for them to be able to crown a champion, that's a win-win situation for the NBA, for the fans of the NBA. And let me just say, to add another win to that, win-win-win, and to whomever is going to be crowned a champion. I just think that when we look at the pandemic that we're in right now, and yes, we're still in the pandemic, when we look at it, and we talked about this before, you got to think about before people were, were arguing, well, we need to put an asterisk on this season, right? Mm-hmm. We need to put an asterisk on a season. Uh, it's not going to be as hard. They didn't go through anything uh, to get to the championship. Well, the complete opposite. I think you put an asterisk for the season, not against the season, for it because these players have been in the bubble now for close to 70 days. And just the psychological and the physical aspect of getting through through this to ultimately crown a champion. Mm-hmm. Hey man, kudos to the NBA uh, and the leadership there. Uh, it's, I'm not I'm not saying that it went perfect because there were instances in where there were some visits by some third other parties. persons, third party, <laughs> second second parties, and some instances, um, allegedly. Not saying it was perfect, but the fact that they crown a champion or about to crown a champion is something else. I would say this. I think in this, there were stars and potential superstars identified in this playoff run. Mm-hmm. Donovan Mitchell got some shine. Jamal Murray got some shine. I think there were some players that made some money. I We mentioned about Jeremy Grant, who's playing for the – uh, Denver Nuggets, who has a player option right now, I think he made him some money. 
He, I think he can decline that player option, and there could be another team that comes in and throws him some more money. Uh, I think there were some players that made some more money here. From that aspect, I think um, the playoffs has been great. Um, there is no home court advantage. And the fact that, again, the Denver Nuggets came down, came back from being in the hole one, one game to three uh, in two series, mm-hmm. I think speaks volumes in the fact that there is no home court advantage here. And so with that, got to congratulate Miami Heat and the Los Angeles Lakers for making it to the finals. But just as I say that, there is no home court advantage here. I am very impressed with Tyler Hero from Whitnall, from the suburbs of Milwaukee, making it. Uh, he has that grit. He has that grit and, and grind. I don't think he got that necessarily from Miami Heat. I don't think he got that from Kentucky. He got it from Wisconsin. Yep. You, you can kind of look at his game a little bit. Jimmy Butler, uh, Jay Crowder for going to schools in Milwaukee in, in Wisconsin. I'm pulling for the Miami Heat, man, because you have we have some Wisconsin ties there. I'm going, I'm going for the Miami Heat because I want to see them get one. Mm-hmm. But man, it's gonna be hard as hell. it's gonna be hard as hell, man. Listen, the Los Angeles Lakers got a lot of length. I can honestly see the Los Angeles Lakers playing a lot of zone in this series. I'm gonna tell you the reason why the movement that uh, Miami has the Lakers. I don't think have really has seen that yeah. in this playoff push. And if they play zone, I honestly believe that that would help save the legs uh, of LeBron of AD. Mm-hmm. Because when you think about it, if LeBron and AD doesn't have a great game, where else are you going to get points from? This Miami Heat defense is is a grind them out type defense. Yep. So. I want Miami to win. I really do. I need some additional time for analysis myself. But, man, I'm liking Tyler Hero's game, man. I'm really liking his game. And, and oh, by the way, Tyler Hero reminds me of what I think we are expecting out of Dante DiVincenzo. I think the big difference is the offense, the type of offense that the Milwaukee yeah. Bucks run. Exactly. I don't think it's necessarily conducive to what – really Dante DiVincenzo really offers us. I don't think it really plays to his strength. Tyler Hero, though, oh, my gosh. The way he comes off the pace and just shoots, shoots the three, like it's nobody's business. Come on, man. The last time you saw something like that was probably like a Clay Thompson or, or, or Curry. I'm not saying he's like them, but, man, I'm telling you, in the Eastern Conference, you don't have that in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, Dante so, would fit nice with Miami. It, he would be a plug-and-play. Yeah, exactly. Easy. Easy yep. plug-and-play. And one person we forgot, Jason, we got to call out here, is Bam Adebayo. Whew. You talk about people that you may not have watched if you weren't an NBA like diehard fan. Mm-hmm. The game he had last night, that closing mm-hmm. game on Boston. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. He was unstoppable in the fourth quarter. So that's what's going to be intriguing with this series, too, is how the Lakers handle Bam. And if he can stay out of foul trouble, that's going to be the key for him, too, man, to help them, like, on the boards and handling AD and those dudes. Mm-hmm. And remember, Jimmy Butler's played LeBron multiple times. Mm-hmm. And has given them problems, too. Exactly. So that's this is to be a really good series. I'm looking forward to it, for sure. And – even though he's a little bit older now, you have Iguodala, who obviously got the MVP 
by playing defense against LeBron. Slow them down just a little bit, just a little bit. So that's going to be very intriguing in terms of how they go and do that. And I, I would say to add on to this, just with what you said about Bam, he didn't come into the NBA having all those skills. Mm-hmm. Last night I saw him dribble up the court multiple times. Again, it's about player development. And to me, what, we, what we've seen in terms of the players of the Miami Heat and how they have increased their game, yep. in terms of play, that all comes from player development. So you look at the player development of the Miami Heat organization, and then you look at the player development of the Milwaukee Bucks. Which one is better? You got none. Who isn't even playing that much? Yep. He was almost, he was what, third in the rookie of the year voting? Mm-hmm. Duncan Robinson? Mm-hmm. So you got a point. Going to be interesting. Welcome to the NBA Finals. And now the NFL. Look here, man. What can we say about the NFL? This is the third week in the NFL. I'll just say this real quickly, and I'll let you have the mic, man. For those Packers fans who are getting extremely excited about the Packers being 3-0, and just remember Chicago Bears are 3-0 and too. Um, <laughs> but, I, but I will say this, uh, Bears won't be there for long. But for those Packers fans who are excited about being 3-0, and let me just say this. Wait up for a minute. This is only week number three. This is only week number three, and I know the concern – my personal concern is still with the wide receiving core. Devontae Adams didn't play. Lazard had an awesome game. He did get, get behind the uh, secondary, was able to get a couple of deep balls there. I still say, though, we still have a receiving core problem. We still need a valid receiver. Within, within these three weeks, I've seen so many drop passes by the receiving core including Devontae Adams. I think when the, the first week when Devontae uh, dropped a touchdown pass in the end zone against the Vikings, uh, I've seen where Aaron Rodgers put the ball right in the hands of a couple of receivers, short and long passes, and they dropped it. So I would say this is hold up for right now. They're 3-0. and Cool, but let's not get too excited here, man. They look more comfortable. Aaron Rodgers looked more comfortable in the offense. Okay. Aaron Rodgers is going to be Aaron Rodgers, right? But let's just hold off. Let's just pump the brakes a little bit. This is only week number three. What say you, Danny? Well, Jason, it's been an interesting couple of weeks for me as a Falcons <laughs> fan. We have made history many a time, and we're always on the wrong side of it. So yesterday, watching the game, playing the Bears, controlling the game, defense is knocked down, injuries galore. I didn't know what to expect with the defense. I thought it would be a shootout just due to the fact that they're down all these corners, linemen. We're up 26 to 10. Just picked off Mitch Trubisky, then decide, all right, Nick Foles comes in the game, pick him off in the end zone. Controversial play with Allen Robinson. Great play by Atlanta cornerback, I must admit. And we decide, all right, enough is enough. It's time to blow this game. Let's go ahead, fellas. So we decided to give up three touchdowns in a matter of five minutes. Sitting at the house, called it. As soon as that first touchdown went through, we're about to lose. And now it's become it's kind of sad in a way as a fan, but you're just like, how are they going to lose this week? 
We're up 16 yesterday, up 15 last week to the Cowboys, up 28-3 back in 2016 in the Super Bowl. Hate to bring that up again. And what's amazing to me right now is our coaches still has a job. Offensive coordinator that fourth quarter, I know everyone's talking about the defense. I don't know if anyone's watching Matt Ryan out there. Go 3-4-11, missing passes, throwing these little two-yard dunk passes to in between like four people. No one saw that. So it's hard on the defense when your offense is going three and out. Ty Gurley's running well. No, nah, we'll go away from Ty Gurley. We're going to throw the ball. Brian Hill's running the ball well. No, nah, we'll go away from him too. We had like 150 yards rushing. I'm like, all right, we got this. We're going to kill the clock. Nope. No, not Atlanta. There are a couple key plays in that game yesterday in particular where Brian Hill dropped a third and, f- third and five pass. They're driving. They had to punt. It was right after an interception. Kicker, come to find out, he has a groin injury. He missed a field goal and an extra point. He lost by four. Do the math there. The week before, Dan, Dan Quinn decides to go for two. They lost by one. He goes for two in the second quarter. And you just, it just goes on and on and on. And it's funny because, you know, my, my friends text me and they go, hey, man, you all right? Somebody do a health check on Danny, man. He, he doing all right? And you get these every week. And it, it, it's, it's kind of funny. It's like, and then I look at the schedule. We're on Monday night next week against the Green Bay Packers. On the road, I'm like, are you kidding me? So the text messages will be flowing thick next weekend. Surely expecting that. But it just comes back to, man, Jason, straight up, man. I hate to take all this time, but you good. it's kind of therapeutic in a way. I know it is. I've done it many times before, so I Run the clock out. What don't they get about running the clock out? 26-16 yesterday in the fourth quarter. We ran three straight passing plays. Obviously, Matt Ryan doesn't have it. He's overthrowing cats. And like I said, and he had a couple of people wide open, wide open. We were at the national game yesterday. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people got to observe this in this area of the country. He was just missing people. But like I said, I'm not putting this on the defense, even though they gave up the points. Mm-hmm. The offense, it's the offense. Time management is terrible. And it comes to a point of it's time, it's time to let Quinn go. I like him as a person. Solid dude. The team keeps saying they're playing for him, but you ain't showing it in the game. <laughs> if I hear one more person say, we playing for Q, I'm going to lose it, man, because obviously you're not. And they decide, here's the other thing, Jason. When these little collapses happen, all of a sudden it's late hits. All of a sudden everybody gets jumpy on the line. Ball start. Neutral zone infraction. <laughs> Pass interference. Botched onside kicking the Cowboys game. It's like, it's a comedy of errors in the fourth quarter. Seattle game, I get. But there is no excuse to lose to Dallas the way they did. There is no excuse for them losing to Chicago like they did yesterday. And Matt Ryan said, we're not getting blown out, but you're losing. You're 0-3. If you were 2-1, you're in first place in this division. And that's the sad part. They could, they're 0-3, but Tampa's 2-1. So you're they're right technically there. not out of it. Right. And I guess he has a point. They're not getting blown out, but you should not be losing. And this has been years and years. Like when they lost the Super Bowl, I was with a fellow Falcons fan. And when New England started coming back in the fourth quarter, we looked at each other. It's like, they're about to blow this. I should have left the house where I was at at that point in time where I, 
It was 28 to 9. Just went home. Maybe had, you know, turn the TV off, turn it on the next day. Like, damn, they lost. But nope, I sat there and watched it, suffered like a true Falcons fan. And I've seen letters written to the Atlanta organization denouncing their fandom and support of the team. <laughs> Signed letters. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> I am not lying. These people have a lot of time on their hands. I'm going to ride with them. I got my hat on right now. I know we're not visual right now, but uh, Arthur Blank needs to make a move. And it better – Dirk Cutter needs to go too. They need to clean out from Dimitrov all the way down. They're in cap trouble. What I'm watching and all us, the rest of Falcon Nation rise up, by the way, we shouldn't get put through all this, man. This is torture from a fan perspective. So, Jason, I'm sorry. You good. I appreciate good. the time. But after yesterday, because we're going to talk about this last week with Dallas, and then what happened yesterday, this is icing on the cake, man. So thank you, Jason. Well, let me, let me just say, let me say this about the game against Green Bay. Anything can happen there. Um, I think Julio Jones may be, may be back, right? So mm-hmm. if that is the case where he's back, I mean, the Packers secondary is not the greatest. Um, the Packers historically have given up huge games to Julio Jones before. So um, I can see, and you got Ridley too, you got speed there. Mm -hmm. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised if there, if there wasn't an upset, if there would be an upset here and you all are right there. I mean, yeah, you're all in three right now. You still got a tough schedule ahead, but I think there's some opportunities there where you all can be lifted up there uh, in the division. We'll see what happens, man. No, we don't necessarily advocate folks getting fired, but I I will say this. um, I think it's still a Super Bowl carryover from Mm -hmm. a psychological and mental state. I I don't think the organization has honestly recovered from that. And that was, what, two years ago now? Uh, 2016. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I just don't think the Falcons organization had recovered. And I just think that now um, it's, it's a matter of cleaning house. That's the only way you're going to be able to, you know, start anew, basically. I just think that you're going to have to clean house. Now, when do you do it? Don't know. Honestly, I think you might have, this is something that you may have to wait until the end of the season. Because if you get rid of Dan Quinn, then that means you're going to have to put the responsibilities off on the interim or whomever. Right. And it's going to be like, okay, well, you're going to get rid of them anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, Because whoever the new head coach is going to be, is going to have to have, they want their own regime. So why do it almost? Right. So. It's true. It's a, it's a team and coaches effort. I agree with that totally, but something has to change, man. Like you said, it's a psyche thing right, right now. It's mental. Yeah, it's mental, man. It's mental. And I must say this, too, before we uh, move on. Thank goodness I don't have – they're not letting fans in Lambeau next week. So I'll have to go (laughs) observe this in person. (laughs) We are on the road in Lambeau for whatever reason, usually in December. So they did give us a break. It is October. So Mm -hmm. I give the schedulers – Thank you for letting us play in October and not freeze in December. But It's going to be interesting, man. But like I said – you don't know what's going to happen, man. Um, and let me, let me rephr- uh, rephrase my statement here. 
the only way I can see the Atlanta organization, Falcons organization, firing Dan Quinn is if y'all go like 0-6 or something like that, mm-hmm. something ridiculous. But if you all just have a, you know, a, you know, a one and three, one and four, one and five, or two, I, I, I still don't see you all firing Dan Quinn. Yep. Um, so we'll see what happens, man. We'll see what happens. I would just like to taste the fruits of a victory this year. <laughs> <laughs> that is my goal. It'd be nice just to get one, man. One. Sometimes that's sometimes that's all it takes to get you going. That's all it takes. And I thought it yeah. was yesterday. Yeah, well, I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, y'all didn't rise up. Y'all fell down <laughs> <laughs> for the show on that one, man. Now let's get into one of the topics that uh, we both find very intriguing here, and that is of Deion Sanders being named the head coach of the Jackson State University Tigers. Jackson State is a historically black college and university in the HBCU. And Dion has taken his talents to Jackson State, Mississippi. Uh, he definitely likes to be called Coach Prime. And what an entrance he made yes. in his introductory uh, press conference. Uh, I'll just say this, man, real quickly. His decision and a decision by Jackson State University is just not an impact to HBCU sports. Uh, It's an impact to HBCUs uh, in general. Uh, This is a cultural shift because now this opens the doors to many coaches. It opens the doors to athletes transferring from uh, whether it's mid-majors or the big schools, whatever major conferences, the Power Five conferences. It's a shift in just the NFL connections to the Hall of Famers who would want to be a coach, who would want to be a mentor to these student athletes, to become professionals in general, potentially professionals in the NFL. Mm-hmm. It's a culture shift in where these potential student, these student athletes can potentially not only be an NFL, but, but can become a millionaire, a multimillionaire who could potentially give money back to the university. You always hear about, you know, these power five schools having all the facilities, the great facilities, the many uh, locker rooms or the many practice fields and just the facilities is just outrageous. Right. Mm-hmm. But for a Hall of Famer like Dion, who actually he wanted to be a coach, didn't matter where, he didn't care where it was, he wanted to be a coach. And for him to go to an HBCU and to bring attention to not only Jackson State, but to, to HBCUs, man, that's just a huge culture shift. And I would just say this, with everything that's happening in the country right now, there is an increased focus on HBCUs by students who are looking to go to college. There's a huge focus on reinvestment into HBCUs. There's a huge focus on not only reinvestment by whether it's uh, corporations or small businesses, uh, but it's also an investment, a rejuvenation by the alumni basis. 
to invest into their own schools, their own universities, their alma maters. So this move by Dion, Coach Prime, is, man, this is absolutely huge, man. And I'm a fan of it, of the move as an alum of the Florida A&M University. I look forward to the meeting down in Miami against Jackson State University, Labor Day weekend in 2021 in Miami, Florida. It's called the Orange Blossom Classic. Depending upon how we're doing in this COVID situation and everything, I, I really look forward to going. This would be Dion coming back to the state of Florida where he's from, born and raised, playing against a premier institution and school and football team of that of the Florida A&M University Rattlers. And uh, we'll continue to strike, strike, and strike again. I'm looking forward to that matchup. Um, But I I will say this, man, and I'll 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 let you go ahead and give your your take on, on it, Danny. I cannot say this enough. This is a culture shift. When you talk about Florida A&M University and Bethune-Cookman University, going from the MEAC, the Mid-Eastern Athletic Conference, to the Southwestern Athletic Conference, mm-hmm. to the SWAC, when you talk about the money and the revenue that's going to be generated, not only from, you know, for, from week to week, because each week is going to be a classic, for those who don't know what a classic is, a football classic mm-hmm. in the HBCU world is absolutely huge. We're talking about thousands and thousands and thousands of fans. And for an HBCU, that is tremendous. We're talking about anywhere from 50,000, 50,000, 60,000 fans, uh, possibly even more depending upon the venue itself. Mm-hmm. And the revenue being split amongst just those two universities, that's huge. And then now we're talking about possibly, or excuse me, the commissioner, his vision is to eventually have a TV contract in where now you can solely watch the SWAC conference, not only football, but all the other sports. Man, that's huge. So along with that comes the increase in student enrollment, it comes into better facilities. Yep. It comes to better exposure, TV exposure. It comes into possibly more educators, more counselors, the whole nine. So it really galvanizes the HBCU world. It galvanizes the institutions. It may even offer uh, bit more buildings. This move by Dion cannot really understate. I mean, it, it's, it's huge. So what are your thoughts on it? I echo your sentiments exactly. I think it's a, and we talked about this in an earlier show, and it's kind of ironic in a way, because we mentioned about the HBCUs and it was the athletes. Now, and we talked about getting the coaches. You get those top coaches to trailblaze for others to come over to say, hey, man, it's not as bad as people are portraying this to be. Mm Mm-hmm. It gives a path for the athlete, student athlete to go from HBCU to pros easier Mm -hmm. because he has the connections, right? Mm -hmm. It's like anything else you're doing. It's more times than not, it's who you know versus what you know, Mm -hmm. depending on the case. So I think Dion going there, it's exciting, man, because all the outpouring of 
different athletes saying of support or, hey, man, I want to join you. Mm-hmm. Like Emmett Smith sent him a note they showed, you know, on um, social media saying that's a great move. You need a running backs coach. Mm. And it's, it's like, all right, now let's start doing this elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, where not to put people out of jobs and things like that, but you bring people in, it, Deion's a big name. He brings a lot with him. So that's why it's a trailblazing move. And from my standpoint, I just want him to be successful where everyone says, okay, I see what he's doing over there. Let me go join him mm-hmm. or figure out how to get into that, that arena, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Not only from a coaching perspective, but athletes. So he's going to start bringing athletes to say, Deion Sanders is over there. It brings in the revenue. Like you said, the TV contracts brings people back from an alma mater perspective. So your alumni to say, there's a new excitement here. Let's, let's get behind this. Right. Right. And, and maybe just in general donors. And I I was going to say that I was going to say, Mr. Two points to your point about donors. It's almost like an NFL player, hall of famer, whomever who didn't go to HBCU could adopt an HBCU. Exactly. Yep. So there's, there's opportunities there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'll also say this. So just like there's the NFL combine for big name schools and everything. And usually you have like one or two individuals from HBCUs attend those. Now there's going to be a combine just for those HBCU athletes. Yep. And so I know that was in the works uh, before Dion's move, but now it's fully in the works. It is, it's going to happen. So a combine strictly for HBCU athletes to see about, you know, going into the NFL. So that's another opportunity that really wasn't stressed as much. But now with Dion being a coach and connections, the sky's the limit. Exactly. So I think it's a great move by Jackson State. Uh, I think it's a great move by Dion as well. Mm-hmm. And I wish him nothing but the best. And I hope it starts something to gain that exposure, you see more of a level playing field. I agree. And I wish Coach Prime good fortunes, but just not against my Florida A&M University Rattlers. All right, so as we're talking about Coach Prime, Deion Sanders. Um, this is a whole lot happening in the sports world right now. I mean, you have the baseball playoffs that's that's about to happen, right? Then you got mm-hmm. uh, the NBA that's happening. Then you have football that's going on and everything. Just a whole lot of stuff happening in the sports world. And in celebration of Coach Prime, Deion Sanders, uh, becoming the Jackson State University head coach, we were trying to figure out an interesting trade scenario that would really pull different sports into the conversation. Mm-hmm. And we thought, well, n- no better time to discuss this trade scenario. What, what you got, Danny? So our trading scenario today is two cards for each player. Deion Sanders Primetime Sanders, 1989 score rookie card with the Atlanta Falcons and 
1989 Fleer update with the Yankees baseball card or Vincent Bo Jackson 1988 <laughs> Tops Los Angeles Raiders rookie card and his 1987 Leaf baseball card with the Kansas City Royals. So, a couple quick stats here for those of you who are not familiar. <laughs> uh, one is implied. These were two, two sport athletes, football and baseball. Dion went to Florida State, was the number five pick by my Atlanta Falcons in 1989. Bo Jackson, number one pick in 1986 out of Auburn was a Heisman Trophy winner. Jason, knowing that, I have a couple other stats that I'll bring up in my argument. <laughs> okay. But those two cards, football and baseball, who do you want? I have been anxiously anticipating this discussion. <laughs> Since we decided that we were going to talk about this, man, I have been going back and forth on this trade scenario itself, man. And uh, as of right now, I still haven't made a decision. I'm going to have to talk this through, okay? Yep. Um, so fans, you all know me by now, man. Listen, I, you know, I look at what has the player done in college that has transitioned over to the professional world. Did it translate? Mm -hmm. So I thought about that and I, I look at what Bo Jackson did in college. Obviously, like you said, a Heisman trophy winner. And we got to remember one thing here. Bo Jackson and Deion Sanders, Auburn and Florida State did face off. I believe it was when uh, Deion was a freshman with those big old pads, <laughs> the juicy curl. And Deion, Deion would say, hey, it looks wet, but it's dry. <laughs> <laughs> and Deion admitted, and it's on film for you fans to go out to YouTube and check it out. Bo Jackson stiff-armed the hell out of Deion Sanders. Now, Deion Sanders wasn't known for no tackling or anything like that. Um, but Deion Sanders was, was legit in his own right by winning the Jim Thorpe uh, Award as best defensive back uh, mm -hmm. and everything. So we, 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 got, we got to mention that. You have your Heisman Trophy winner uh, in Bo Jackson, but you have your Jim Thorpe Award winner as best defensive back in the country in Deion Sanders. Yep. Definitely wanted to mention that. And let me just say this. So I, I looked at, and fans, you, you know where I'm going here. I looked at the draft, okay? As I was looking, I was like, man, what, what in the world? So when Dion got drafted, we have to look at who else was in his draft, in his draft class. Yep. The number one overall pick in the 1989 draft was Troy Aikman to the Dallas Cowboys. Hall of Famer. The second overall pick was Tony Mandarich to the Green Bay Packers. I don't know what the hell the Packers were thinking, but they went ahead and picked Tony Mandarich, a tackle. The Detroit Lions picked number three overall. Who did they take? Barry Sanders, Hall of Famer. The fourth pick, the Kansas City Chiefs selected Derek Thomas, Hall of Famer. Then the Atlanta Falcons went ahead and selected Deion Sanders at the number five pick, Hall of Famer. And then I looked at the 1986 NFL draft, okay? Mm -hmm. The number one pick by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers was Bo Jackson. Bo didn't play, obviously, for Tampa Bay. He decided to sign with the Kansas City Royals. And yeah. so 
I, I thought about that for a minute. And I was like, man, Tampa Bay was that bad that this brother went ahead and played baseball. <laughs> <laughs> so you wouldn't have to play with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. When you look at Deion Sanders being selected by the Atlanta Falcons, that was a culture shift. So, we, so before we talked about how Coach Prime, Deion Sanders, now coach of the Jackson State Tigers, how that's a culture shift. And then he goes to the Atlanta Falcons, culture shift. We all remember the too legit, too legit to quit. Right, <laughs> too legit, too legit to quit. And we all remember the MC Hammer and all the stars be on the sidelines yeah. of the Atlanta Falcons <laughs> and everything, how they really started to make the momentum. It took them a while, it took them a couple years, two, three yeah. years to get there and everything, right? Mm-hmm. And then they started to go to the playoffs. They went to the playoffs. Prime went ahead with intercept the ball. He would just, you know, showcase it and everything, run it back for a touchdown. Or it would just, I mean, the fans were just crazy, yes. right? We can't forget that. Culture shift yep. again with the Falcons, okay? Mm-hmm. But then you have Bo Jackson, right? You have Bo Jackson who played for the Kansas City Royals. And, oh, by the way, we hadn't seen that done recently in where an athlete would play two sports, two professional sports. We hadn't seen anything like that. So everybody was wondering, man, we didn't see Bo play no baseball mm-hmm. in college. We always saw him play football and everything, right? And then what really set it off, right, was were the uh, Nike commercials. Yeah. Right? Yeah, we we all remember those commercials. Bo knows. Bo knows. Bo knows. For for the fans who don't know about uh, Bo knows, and that's K N O W S. Bo knows. Go out to YouTube and check out the commercials. Bo knows. I mean, one of the commercials was a Bo Jackson in uniforms playing baseball, football, basketball, basketball with Jordan where Jordan says Bo knows basketball, uh, you have the, one can argue, the best player, best, best basketball player in, in NBA history in your commercial, in your commercial saying Bo knows basketball. That's Michael Jordan. You have Bo playing tennis. He's running. Uh, hockey with, Grant, with Wayne Gretzky, arguably one of yeah. the best hockey players ever. Cycling, lifting weights, and then goes to Bo Diddley. Mm-hmm. That commercial was epic. That commercial was a cultural change. That was a cultural yeah. change like no other, man. Here's the thing. As you saw all these bows in these different gears and everything, one really started had to think about it. Can Bo really play these sports, man? <laughs> because he was that hell of an athlete. Yep. I believe he could actually do 95% of this stuff, man, because he's that he was that great. When we talk about changing the culture or culture shift, mm-hmm. Bo did that. Bo was the first one to do this generation in terms of two-sport athlete, professional athlete. Bo Jackson, when you think about his baseball career, okay? Yep. One of the one of the highlights, there's many highlights in his baseball career, but one of the things that I, I really look at is that 1989 All-Star game and where he was the leading vote getter and he ended, ends up hitting a home run. He, he, I mean, there are running catches in the outfield. He, he beats a double play. 
he steals bases and he becomes the uh, all-star game MVP. So mm -hmm. he was a star among stars. Mm -hmm. So when we think about the rookie card, okay, yes, I do look at can they translate from, can their skills translate from the, you know, college world into the professional world? The answer is yes for the both of them. Okay. But we also got to kind of look at, for me personally, I have to look at even a little bit into their career, right? So when you think about Bo Jackson, man, I, I, I got to say this. We also got to think about the lack of a championship with Bo Jackson. In multiple interviews um, that, I, that, I see, that I've seen, Dion looked up to Bo Jackson. So he's very complimentary of Bo Jackson. So in no way am I saying one person is worse than the other because these are exceptionally blessed individuals. But with the card itself, man, I mean, we look at Deion Sanders, right? And look at his baseball career. Deion Sanders' baseball career, and he did something extraordinary, man. And there's a, uh, I want to say a 30 for 30 off yeah, of this. There is. And where he flew, he played football on that day, and they flew to the World Series yep. game. I don't think he played, but he, he, he you know, he was there, right? But let me just say this. He at least got to the World Series. He at least got to the World Series. He battled for a championship. And oh, by the way, you know what? He did extremely well in that World Series. He, he batted 533 in the World Series. So, I mean, when the lights were shown the brightest, he rose to, to the occasion. I'm torn, man, because <laughs> as, as I look at Bo Jackson and Bo Jackson's football career, it was cut short. And then when he got there, we remember him running in the, uh, against the Seattle Seahawks, ran, in the, ran into the tunnel, hitting Bosworth because, I mean, I look at Bo Jackson, man, and I'm like, man, this, he could do anything athletically, right? Yep. But I'm going to have to go with Dion. Whoa. I'm going to have to go with Dion, man, because the heartstrings are tugging at me because one of the main culture shifts, and we just talked about it, is him becoming head coach at Jackson State University. And that to me, man, is, man, that is huge. And Deion Sanders' card. Yep. I, could show, I could show anybody a card, right, of Deion Sanders. And I could just go into this long story that I'm just going through right now. <laughs> and I could do the same thing with Bo Jackson. Yep. I'm going to have to go with Deion Sanders' card, man. All right, Jason, a couple other items of note to add. So Deion, not only was he a cornerback, and you kind of alluded to this, he also played wide receiver, mm -hmm. kick returner, and punt returner. Mm -hmm. When they were more prevalent back in the day where they don't have all these rules now, where he was, and they used to say it, prime time, prime time. <laughs> he, he, he take off for that touchdown. Boy, it was, he, was, he was something else, man, in Atlanta. And like you said, he was a culture <laughs> shift for sure. He was the only, he's the only person to play in a Super Bowl and a World Series. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Bo Jackson is the only person to play in a Pro Bowl in an All-Star game, which mm, we talked mm -hmm. about. Something people don't realize, Bo Jackson, Bo Jackson ran the 40 in 4.12. Dion ran it in 4.27, which is nothing to sneeze at either. You think about it, Dion has Super Bowls, Defensive Player of the Year, mm -hmm. and he was just – a transcendent player, but then you look at the cards, and there's one card of Bo Jackson. It was a score card. We had the sh shoulder pads with the baseball bat mm -hmm. across the shoulders. Legendary card. When you see that card, man, 
You talk about transcendent. That card, you look at that card, Bo laid it out in that one picture. The bat, mm -hmm. the shoulder pads. And I was thinking about this. And I'm like, man, if I'm going to take one player's, both their cards, it has to be Dion, but it's very close. It's very close. Because Bo Jackson's cards are right there. Mm -hmm. And I put the trade as, I want Dion's football card and Bo Jackson's baseball card. <laughs> <laughs> if we're taking one person, I'm going to take Dion because that Atlanta Falcons card. And like you say, he had the curl and everything. And <laughs> it was just the memories of him changing the Atlanta Falcons into someone or a mm -hmm. team that was a playoff contender. Mm -hmm. And now since then, they've had their ups and downs, but they make it to the playoffs more times than not. And people want to go play there. Yep. Versus yep. before he came there, no one wanted to play in Atlanta. And, and let, me add, let me add this right quick. Remember when Dion came back to the stadium as a 49er? Yes. And that was when the 49ers and, and the Falcons were, I think it was in the same division, division rivals. Mm -hmm. Yep, we were. And Dion came back and intercepted that pass and took it all the way back and started high-stepping and did his dance. And he said, this is my house. <laughs> I built this house. This is my house. You remember that? Yeah. I was salty. And that's what Dion provided, man. He provided that flash and flair, man. You didn't throw on his side of the, of the field. He was the first that had an island. He yeah. took half the field away. We agree on this, but if we're on the back porch, I may try to get you for the Bo Jackson baseball card, Dion football <laughs> card, hand you off that Yankees <laughs> Dion card, <laughs> that Bo Jackson football card, the Raiders. Both special players, man, and they'll always be in history, in the history books for sure. Yeah what they accomplished in their careers, even though Bowles was cut short due to injury. So it's good to, it's good to finally agree, agree on that one. But as Danny always would try to do on the back porch, he would try to get me. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for joining us at Back Porch Talk Podcast. You can also join us on Twitter by tweeting us at back underscore podcast. For more information, you can go to our website, which is backporchtalkpodcast.com. You can also email us at backporchtalkpodcast at gmail.com. Again, thank you for joining us. And remember that there's enough hate in the world. So go ahead and spread a little love.